Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And here at MCBC, how do we say it, family? Good. Before I read the scripture, let me say happy Pride Month here for those members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm, I'm saying that, and let me just say in advance, because for the whole month, I'm be talking about love. So if you got a problem with love, don't come to church. The entire month, it is love. All right? So um, John 13, John 13, verses 34 and 35 in the New Revised Standard Version. Don't forget, beloved, today is Communion Sunday. And for those of you who may be visiting today, we do it a little differently every other month. We alternate. We do traditional communion, but then on the alternate month, we do what we call communal communion. So that means when you leave today, our deacons, our Sunday love, our all-in team will be outside the church with communion trays. And your responsibility is to take at least two cups today two of the little cups, and you share one today. That's our way of expanding what community is. So, Because communion is about building community. And, and what better way to build community than over communion? And so today as you depart, do not forget to take your two communion cups. You take one and you share one on today. Amen? Good, good. Um, John 13, 34 and 35, here's how it reads. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you today. Thank you today. On this day that you have given us, O oh God, a day we have never seen before and a day we will never see again. God, we thank you because we are here because of the sufficiency of your grace, the enduring nature of your mercy, and the transformative power of your love. God, cover us today. For God, there are some who have gathered who are heavy, who are hurting. And then, oh God, there are those who are here who are grateful, full of joy. God, we are here today with all of the spectrum of emotion we come before you 
So God, do whatever you need to do with us, in us, and through us to get the glory out of us. Have your way in our lives. Because at the end of the day, oh God, we want to be not perfect representatives, but faithful representatives of you. Thank you for trusting us with your love. The kind of love, oh God, you charge us to share with one another. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let your peace have its way today. Let your grace have its way today. Give us a sense of calm so that we can beat back all anxiety that tries to get a foothold in our disposition. For God, there's some of us who have literally worried the life out of ourselves. We come now reminded, oh God, that you know every hair on our head. You know us. You know us. And you know us better than anyone, oh God. And yet knowing us better than anyone else means, oh God, you even know the things we don't want other people to know. And knowing those things, you still love us. So God, we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Let me, let me read that again. John 13, 34, 35. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap as you take your seat. I want today briefly to speak from the subject that I'm sure for my critics will have a problem. I want to talk today from this idea, love with no asterisks. love. I was watching a HBO comedy show by a young man who actually, if you've been paying attention in worship service the past few weeks, you actually saw here Jared, Jared Carmichael. He did that Emmy Award winning stand-up show Nathaniel. It was a stand-up show in which he took his courage and in that stand-up show came out as gay. He experienced a lot of backlash after doing so. And much of the backlash he even shared in the routine of the show came from family. And so he is now in the midst of filming a documentary in which he's talking about his journey after coming out, really primarily dealing with the people who, well, who love him despite 
who he is. In that show, if you had a chance to see it, he, he said that it's almost condescending when people say, especially family, I love you despite who you are. And in that show, he said a line that really speaks to the sermon title today. He said, if you really love, it doesn't have an asterisk next to it. The love is unconditional. What I've discovered, and I've known this most of my vocational career, ministry, and even though I know this reality, it is no less painful. And it is that Christians can be some of the meanest people you can imagine. It hurts me when I think about it. It, it is deeply saddening. I knew this and I've come to know it even more the past several months. The level of hate I've received through messages, comments, emails, and the like has been mind-blowing, right? And, and for two things, one, people saw a clip that went viral and said, of course, the hardcore Christians that I support abortion. Well, in the clip, I'm sure you may have seen it, I simply said, if you are opposed to abortion, then don't have one. But I never said I support abortion. I don't. But I also don't believe in telling a woman what she should do. We're in a strange climate where there is either certain people's way or no way. There's no nuances. The idea of a nuance is lost. You either here or there, and that's not life. Life is lived in the nuances of life. And then I said in the same clip, there are people, Christians, who are anti-LGBTQ. And my statement was, I said, it is difficult to be a Christian and have issues with the diversity of God's creation. Boy, and the hate that I've received and death threats. Oh, yeah. Real life death threats from Christians. From Christians. People who claim to be doing this. Well, they claim Jesus' name. But what I've discovered, and I've always known this, but I've learned this more and more, that I am super convinced that most Christians don't even know Jesus. I've had conversations with some very conservative Christians, and when I start quoting Jesus without saying it's Jesus, they'll be like, Pastor, you can't make stuff up just because of how you feel. I'd be like, no, it's in the Bible. Jesus said this, which becomes mind-blowing again. Because people who claim to be so sold out for God and the most radical Christians and, and blood-washed and twice-born don't know Jesus. 
In fact, I'm convinced they would be offended by Jesus if they actually took time to read the things that the Bible claims that Jesus said. They would have a problem with it because I don't know what it is about believers in this era, but not just this era, across the millennia who are so fixated on hating and being punitive and being judgmental and wanting to put people in hell. All these things they are committed to doing and thinking that somehow doing that makes them a better Christian. Well, it may. Because it's a radical difference. I've been saying it for 27 years between what you claim to be as a Christian and who you are supposed to be as a disciple. You see, newsflash, I know we're in this building now. I thank God for this sanctuary that we have. But, but, but Jesus did not say, go, go big, build buildings. <laughs> Jesus did not say, go see how many members you can get in your church. He didn't say that you're going to be measured by the size of your congregation. He didn't say that somehow who you are as a leader is going to be determined on how many people show up on Sunday morning. That Jesus is charged to all of us who are disciples is simply this. Go make more disciples. What is disciple? It's a fancy word for student. So in other words, Jesus telling his students, go make more students. Go make disciples, baptize and teach them what I taught you. And underneath everything that Jesus has taught is this word, this little four-letter word that is so problematic for some people. This four-letter word that is so discombobulating for people who want to live in spaces built by hate, love. The foundation of Jesus' teachings is love. Yeah, in Mark and Matthew, Luke, they all have this. Jesus says the two greatest commandments, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And then in Mark, he says, these, these are the greatest of all commandments. No matter what commandments you could hurl at Jesus, Jesus says the two greatest are love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that so hard for people who come into sanctuaries week in and week out, who walk around with big Bibles and want to put everybody in hell? Why is it so hard to understand that we are called to love God, love neighbor, and love yourself? It ain't rocket science. This is not deep. And it is not love with conditions. Because if I tell you I love you, but the minute I say but, a friend of mine put it like this. He said, you are engaging in the erasure of part of someone's identity. I am trying to say I love you, but the part I don't love, I want to get rid of. Which means I can't really love you then. I can't love part of you. And my role is not to sit around to judge you. Why? Because I don't think judging is wrong, right? No. Jesus said, do not judge. That's what Jesus said. But I'm convinced that there are Christians who like to use Jesus like a hashtag. They tag the word Jesus on the end of their insanity. You think because you said something in Jesus' name is sanctioned by the carpenter? You think because if you hate me in Jesus' name is better because you said it in Jesus' name? 
if you tell me I'm going to hell in Jesus' name is better, when there are people who demonstrate their faith like that, I ask them a simple question. Show me where you get that from in Jesus' teachings. Because at the end of the day, you claim to be a Christian. And here it is in John. Look at this. This ain't Pastor Mike making it up. He says, a new commandment. <laughs> a new one. In addition to the two that he said are the greatest. Love one another. As I have loved you, you love one another. And then look at the look what he drops on it. The world will know. You are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Wait a minute. You 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 mean come on, talk about it. You you mean to tell me that if I want the world to acknowledge my discipleship, it comes by demonstrating my love? Not your membership, your discipleship. Not your Christianity, your discipleship. That's the mark. And can you imagine there are people in this world who lose their minds because you said we're supposed to love one another. Well, you can't just love everybody. Because <laughs> you just can't accept everything. Well, if you hear Jesus say, don't judge, that ain't your responsibility. Your responsibility is to love. Just think about how different this world would be if all the people who claim to follow Jesus took Jesus' teaching seriously. Just think about how many people would not experience church trauma and church hurt if we took Jesus' teaching seriously. Love. And here's the thing about love. Love, I mean transcendent love. I'm talking about transformative love, like God-sized love. Doesn't necessarily follow the pattern of your prejudice. Oh, yeah. See, you know the problem is? There are people who think that God hates who you hate. And, and God loves who you love. And you think that somehow God is bound to people you think are lovable. Mm -mm, that ain't the way God moves. You, you can't stand up there and say things like God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And then you start telling us what God will and will not do. You see the inconsistency there? If the, if the mind of God is infinite, tell me how do you process the infinite mind of God? The truth is that so much of it is a mystery and all we gain in our understanding of God for us as believers and disciples is what we gain through the teachings of Jesus. And then there is a problem, his inconsistency with many believers. We will say that Jesus, many will say Jesus is the incarnation of God, that Jesus is the manifestation of God, that when you read the Gospels, you see God, God in the flesh. Now, if God, if Jesus is God in the flesh, that then would suggest that what Jesus teaches is what God wants us to know. Oh, you're missing this. 
So that if Jesus is the incarnation manifestation of God, that means that what Jesus covers and what he deals with is what God wants us to know in that moment. See, you can't have it both ways. You can't say Jesus is the incarnation of God, but then don't pay attention to what Jesus says. Because you can't say, I love God, but I'm not going to pay attention to what God says through Jesus. It don't make sense. You can't even bypass Jesus' teachings, jump over to the Old Testament, go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, hop over to the New Testament Gospels, go right to Paul's stuff, that when most people who are filled with hate quote scripture, they quote from the Old Testament or they quote from Paul. They never quote from Jesus. And yet they will pray in Jesus' name, but don't teach it. Pray in Jesus' name, but quote Old Testament. Pray in Jesus' name, but quote Paul. And will say they were saved by the blood of Jesus and yet never talk about what Jesus said. You can't simply say he lived and died for you, but he taught you nothing. So that's the most important thing. He died for my sins, but there's nothing I can learn from him. Oh, yeah. This is going to be tough for folk. The hate really going to go up now. And check this out. Why? Talking about love. This is who we're called to be disciples he says it here this is why in our identity statement commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudice and it doesn't mean that you don't we all have prejudices but don't let them block your love I mean, you can't expect love to work if it don't work on you. It got to work on you. It is not something you just give out or give away. It is something first you receive. And it is your receptivity that allows you to then live it out. Love, period. Not love asterisks you love and that means sometimes that it means loving some real difficult folk now let's be clear let's be clear because i'm gonna tell you real honest there's some folk i really love but i really don't like but watch this the reason I won't seek to destroy you is because what I dislike doesn't disqualify my love. And I don't let what I don't like block my love. And I can love you, but it don't always mean I got to be all up in your face either. Because sometimes to maintain the sanctity of my love, I need to keep some social distance between me and you. It is a hard thing. Beloved, part of the challenge, I'm really done. Part of the challenge is we want a faith that's easy and is in alignment with our biases. It don't work that way. What makes it difficult is because we allow our biases to get in the way of our love. I want to be a great 
disciple. That's what I want. I want to be a disciple, a student. That means if I am going to be a disciple, I must put myself in alignment with Jesus' teachings. I hope you get this today. You have to ask yourself, if I'm a person of faith, what guides me? We often hear things like the Bible is the blueprint. Oh, hold on. Which part? Because <laughs> when I hear people say that, I'm like, which part? Because I can, I can pull up parts of the Bible that don't feel good. Which part? I am a disciple of the teachings of the Galilean sage the carpenter. Yes, I believe in his salvific ways connected to his atoning death. Yes. But I can't love that and not love what he taught. And his teachings are right in the book. They're there. There's some folk in one of those viral videos who said, oh, I don't listen to no preacher who don't believe in the Bible. I ain't never said that. I preach from it every week. But I never let the Bible get in the way of my relationship with God. Because what happens is this. When someone is hurting, I'll ask you, what's the quickest way to healing? To quote a line or open your heart? If someone is struggling, you put the Bible in their face or you extend your hands. If someone is hungry, do you tear out a page and feed it to them or you get food? We've lost our way because we want to be angry at somebody. But why? Why you want to be mad all the time? If you have the book I wrote and you and you read it, I've seen a whole lot of books that ain't been cracked, people walking around with. The second chapter, Future Memories, simply says this, we are all future memories. There will come a point where someone will speak of you in the past tense. It doesn't mean you're morbid and you walk around, oh God, I'm going to die. But being aware of your death should help you value the amazing reality of your life. And here it is. Life is too short to spend any amount of it angry and bitter it is too short to walk around trying to get people to like you we are future memories and you're going to ask yourself 
when you leave this place, do you want to leave angry? I'm committed to leaving no matter how it happens. I can't call it, but I pray. Listen, when I leave this place in God, I'm good right now. I've seen a lot of these, you know, wherever you are, they take you down to the morgue or the funeral home. You know what I want them to have to do? I want, I want the, the funeral directors, I want them to have to find a way to close my mouth. Because when I left, the smile was so big. They had to find a way to just close the mouth. I just, there was a woman I got to leave. There's a lady, the first church I served as pastor. She was a mother of the church at the time when I got there in, in, in 96. Her name was Ma Britt. She was 89 at the time. And I've shared this story before, but she always comes to mind because she gave me a lesson, right, when she was transitioning. And, 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 and here was a woman who grew up all her life in North Carolina. She was amazing. And I would go visit her when she was in the hospital. It's clear she was sick. She wasn't going to be around long. And, and folk was around, and her son and her daughter-in-law, they were crying. And she told them, stop all that crying. She's like, I don't live my life. She said, I'm good. She said, I lived it. She would say, baby, I lived my life. I'm fine. And she said, when I leave, I'm going to leave smiling and shouting. She said, because ain't nothing for me to cry about. I've enjoyed my life. And here's a deep thing. She meant this. She said it with a smile. I've enjoyed my life. She was not wealthy. She had no degrees. She ain't had no big fancy house. She ain't had a closet full of clothes. She said, I lived my life. I loved it. And didn't have all the things we think could make us happy. In fact, the son she had wasn't hers. She never had her own children. She raised other folks' children. And she said, I'm going to leave. And man, let me tell you something. When I got the call that Mom Britt had died, I went to the hospital to be with her son. It was her nephew that she had adopted. And, and I get there with nephew and his wife. And sure enough, I kid you not. When I walked in that room, her mouth was wide open. It looked like she even had a little grin on her face. She said, when I leave, I'm leaving here shouting. And she meant that thing. Right? Why leave here bitter when you can leave here joyful? Why leave here angry when you can leave here with a smile on your face? We are all future memories. And no one should have to make excuses for your hate when you leave. Don't walk around talking about I'm sold out to Jesus, but you ain't loving on folk. I'm a diehard Christian, but you haven't opened your arms to embrace people who you think ain't lovable. No. I give you a new commandment. As I have loved you, you love one another. And beloved, here it is. The world will know who we claim to be by the love we show for one another. And just in case, just in case, you like that lawyer who thought he could catch Jesus in a loophole, when he said, who's my neighbor? And at the end of the story, Jesus asked him, you tell me who the neighbor is. That man said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said, yes, 
Now go and do it and you'll live. That means that everybody, when love is in your heart, everybody is a candidate for your mercy. Why? Because you are a candidate for mercy. And just in case you think that you're still a little super holy, there's only one place in Scripture where Jesus taught how to pray. And there's this beautiful line in what we call the Lord's Prayer. You want to hear the beautiful line? Here it is. I'll put it in the scripture way. Forgive us our trespasses. This is saying to God, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Wait a minute. Because in the prayer, it's a technique to kill hypocrisy. Don't show love and forgiveness if you want it from God. If you want it from God, you show it. You live it. You be it. Because there's a whole lot of damaged people in this world. Yes, there are people who have been damaged by racism and sexism, by homophobia, ageism. But a lot of folk have been damaged by Christians. And that ain't the way of the carpenter in any way, shape, or form. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand on your feet today. I want to do something. I know it's communion day. I don't, I don't normally do this on communion Sunday, but we're going to do it today. And I've done it before, but I feel led to do it today. I want to pray today. I want our deacons and ministers come on up here. I want y'all to come on up. Because there are a whole lot of people in here right now. You're sitting next to some. You don't know this. Who came back to FCBC. Because somebody said. This place is a little different. And you decided to give it a try. Got here and was like. Hey. Let me come back again and see if this is real. Who are you? You are the ones who have been hurt by church. There's such a thing as religious trauma, and church hurt. If you are one of those persons and who you were driven away from church because you were deeply hurt by folk who claim to love God, I want you to come down today. Be honest today. I know you're here. I know you. Yeah. It's deep. Yeah. There's some folk who've been deeply hurt by church. What I'm about to say before we pray is something you may have never heard because I'm part of the church. And just like any family, you got your, you got your good family members and you, you got the family members that when the cookout comes, you're like, oh, 
here they come. Right. So, so here's what I want to say to those of you who come today. On, on behalf of some of my family members who don't act right, I want to apologize to you today. On, on behalf of some of my family members who sometimes forget who they call to be, I want to apologize to you. On behalf of those who could not get past their own trauma and forgot to come here to seek healing and acted out their trauma by traumatizing others and traumatizing some of you, I want to apologize to you so that you can't ever say that you never heard coming from any pulpit, I'm sorry. That's real. That's real. But sometimes we forget. The scripture says this, that love can cover a multitude of sins. You know what I learned? I'm sorry can cover a multitude of sins as well. Sometimes that's all it takes is I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that folk wanted you to hide who you were, some of you. I'm sorry that folk couldn't understand the enormity of your gifts. I'm sorry that folk tried to belittle and ridicule some of you because you were different. I'm sorry that people tried to beat you into submission into who they thought you needed to be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to that woman who was told that somehow that child out of wedlock was problematic. And indeed, I always tell that story about how they did. Remember, Lakeisha took away her scholarship and all that stuff because she had a baby out of wedlock who's a pastor now. Can I tell you? Here's how the Bible put it, Serena. The stone that the builders rejected become the chief cornerstone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that, that, that church that told you you were an abomination because of your sexual orientation. I'm sorry. It's amazing how in the scriptures they left to quote, there's a list of abominations, but apparently this is the only one that hangs people up. I apologize for the radical hypocrisy of some of God's people. But then I want to pray. I want us all to pray. Because you never know the deep wounds that even people who are your friends walk with. You never know the wounds that they don't talk about. Because like, who really talks about how damaging the church has been? It's not always popular. But it has been. All you got to do is read history. The, the chronicles of history of the amount of people the church has literally killed. Read history. Can you imagine telling people, confess Jesus now when we cut your head off? That sounds real Jesus-like. Or looking at women who are gifted and refuse to see the gifts of women and said, because you're a gifted woman, you are a witch, and they burned you. That's the church. Just read history. Because there's many things about some Christians that sometimes terrorize me. There's nothing worse than an ignorant one. 
read your history of this fella, what has been done in Jesus's name that is nothing and has nothing to do with Jesus or his teachings. That's why I am 100% committed, have always been committed to teaching the way of the carpenter and preaching this radical love. And if it gets me in trouble, oh, oh well. I'm in good company. Come on, beloved, let's talk to God. God, we, we are grateful today for this season, for this time. God, we come collectively putting our arms around some of your children who've come down here today. But what we know, God, is this is not all who've been damaged. These are not all who've been hurt. We put our arms around all those persons who've been deeply wounded by people who love using your name, who love using your name, but not living it out. We put our arms around all those, oh God, who've been wounded by people who in Jesus' name have tried to condemn and put in hell and destroy and eclipse and shatter. We put our arms around them, God. We put our arms around them. And God, then we're reminded of the words of your son, Jesus, who sometimes, God, I don't know why Christians don't read him and don't get him, but he said, I do not come to condemn. He said that, God. He said that. And yet, there's some of us who get up every day with condemnation and wanting to condemn in our hearts. God, forgive us. And now, oh God, for those who've been wounded, who've been hurt, God, we're grateful that they did not give up on you. Some might have given up on the church, understandably so, but they did not give up on you, God. God, we want to be this house of healing. We want to be a place of restoration. We want to be a sanctuary of hope. That's who we want to be, oh God. That's who we want to be. Because God, if we could just be a little more loving, I know we could change this world. And God, it's hard because hate is profitable nowadays. Hate has been easily monetized. And for some reason, love is not a hot commodity. But God, we want to make love popular again. We want to believe in the transformative, transcendent, and hate-diminishing power of love. There's many things we can ask for, God, but we ask right now, help us to be more loving. And then help us to be more like your son, Jesus. The truth is, oh God, every day we wake up, take a deep breath. There's another chance to love on somebody. So God, on this communion Sunday, help us to remember that the heart of communion is love. The heart of this community is love. And we expand who we are by love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In, your, in the scriptures, oh God, Jesus said that, that this house is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. But God, we also have to want to be a house of love, not a sanctuary of hate.
Thank you. Thank you. Help us to love ourselves as we love our neighbors. Help us to love those we don't think are lovable. Help us to love those we have a hard time even liking. God, help us to love beyond the limits of our prejudices and be your children. Thank you for this opportunity. God, today as we leave this place, when we leave this place with love in our hearts and peace in our hearts and joy in our hearts, feeling good about who we are, knowing that life is hard and tomorrow may be challenging and it may be difficulties waiting for us tomorrow. But today, oh God, we will be joyful and celebrate the beauty of this day. We will live it, oh God, in love. Love. Thank you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward.